Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy Podcast. Podcast With your host Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Paige Demakos, Jake Arians, Jamie Eisner, and we are here to wrap up what was a very, very fun week four. Mostly for Jake and myself, right? We had a, we had a hell of a week four for both of our squads. Uh, and if you haven't seen Ndamukong Sue score a big boy touchdown, I suggest you go watch Ndamukong Sue score a big boy touchdown because nothing's better than the big guys getting in the end zone, defensive or offensive guys, right? It's it's always entertaining to see those guys, and he moves still quite well. We're going to go through all the week four games, discuss what we saw, fantasy and otherwise. Uh, no real big time injuries. The one headline that I did want to get into um, is AJ Green and his potential to end up somewhere else, right? So there's been a lot of speculation. That's one thing we were off on. Um, the Cincinnati Bengals are actually as bad as advertised. Yeah. Um, I, I, I will say... They're still very talented. Like, I still love Joe Mixon. I still love a lot of the pieces there. They're just not – they can't put it together. They're a bad football team. It was an ugly Monday night football game. And um, A.J. Green is a potential trade candidate. And there have been floated some some big-time teams like the New England Patriots, the Green Bay Packers, who are obviously now dealing with Devontae Adams, who is probably not going to play uh, in a big game against the Dallas Cowboys in Week 5. So there's been a lot of teams floated out there. Uh, where would you like to see him go, Jake? I like the Packers. I think that's interesting. I think they could get rid of one of their young pieces to bring him in uh, while they think they can make a run. Yeah, you know, the New England's too easy to say, but he'd fit really well there. He's For all the guys they've signed late in their careers, I think he still has a lot left and a lot of upside. He's a guy that's very unique to be that tall, that fast, still late in his career, but be able to run the entire route tree Phenomenal hands, back shoulders. We all know who A.J. Green is, but he fits everywhere. I think there's probably a shocker out there, like maybe Kansas City. A couple of these teams you're talking about, maybe Jalen Ramsey could sneak up and go, okay, let's just keep loading up on what we do well. Get rid of a young piece to bring that in. We still have Mahomes on on a rookie quarterback contract. We all know that's probably the best way to make a run anymore. Uh, That one would be really intriguing. I like the Packers and the Chiefs. Yeah, three, three teams come to mind for me. And again, you have to look at the intricacies of their cap situation, which I have not done yet. Yeah. Uh, but Indianapolis is interesting to me. Uh, you know, obviously with fun, Ooh, just not coming I back. I like that. You know, Hilton's banged up a little bit. That's a team that can still win that division. Uh, I look at a team like the LA Chargers. Mike Williams cannot get over these injuries. He missed another game last week. Hunter Henry's going to miss most of the season. You need some pass-catching weapons on a team that 
thinks they're a Super Bowl contender. Um, and you look, another team that's been – they've been doing okay so far, but it could use probably a little boost, especially if they're going to throw this much. That's Seattle. Uh, giving, giving Russell Wilson uh, another weapon there besides just Tyler Lockett. You could play Lockett in the slot the whole time. You have DK on one side, A.J. Green on the other. Uh, I, I imagine the, the, the David Moore's not really playing a ton. There's not, Deron Brown's not playing a ton. So you have some options there. Maybe San Francisco do because they don't yeah. have any good re- – I mean, they have a bunch of just okay guys at receiver, but nobody that's good. Yeah, I think that's a fair point to bring up, and I know they have cap room to make that happen. Um, and Jimmy Garoppolo could use a legitimate – receiver right they don't really have a lot of guys with the exception obviously you love George Kittle at tight end but their receiving core is not great um and I think they they're the only undefeated NFC team now anymore so that's that's the one team in the NFC that's undefeated they were obviously on a bye this week uh and and both the other teams that were undefeated went down in the Green Bay Packers and the Dallas Cowboys so they have to fancy themselves the uh, a leader of the pack. I still am undecided on them, um, but we'll, I guess, see them in week five. Let's get into these games. The first game we're going to talk about here is uh, Tennessee Titans get a victory over the Atlanta Falcons, another team that's just cannot get it together, right? Like Absolute 20 frauds. They're frauds. frauds. Yes. 24 to 10, the Titans take care of business. And Atlanta, with all those weapons, Man, the you have to look at that receiving core and you go, how the hell do you only put up ten points in any game? And it it was ugly. Jake, your thoughts on that game? At home, I, yeah. my first thought of that game is they were they were being called the greatest throwback uniforms ever, and I went, holy shit, I'm old. I wore those uniforms. Besides <laughs> 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 the point on that, which I love, the black helmet was awesome. Um, how do you give Julio Jones that contract before the season? He can't get open. Yeah, it's it's not been a great season for for Julio Jones. No, the secondary, you know, he's always beat this double coverage. There, nobody's defending him different. Um, Calvin Ridley was great in weeks one and two. Now they have no secondary pieces. Devontae Freeman finally had a decent day catching it out of the backfield, but couldn't run it at all. And you know, they they go trade Duke Riley, one of their inspirational leaders on defense. Bring in Jonathan Cyprian now that this week's over. Uh, they need that much safety help, I guess. Um, I picked the Titans to go in there and put up 24 points. I just didn't think the Falcons would lay a complete egg at home. Matt Ryan's so much better there. Uh, extremely disappointing for them. And the Titans just keep finding ways to win games, man. Like, I'm, I'm becoming a Vrabel fan. He schemes up week to week a way to keep his team in it. And Mariota played better. And my, uh, my high school alma mater, A.J. Brown, shout out, start my high school, was really good again. <laughs> Yeah, he was. I mean, I don't read a ton into the offensive stuff on the Titans side. You know you're starting Derrick Henry on a weekly basis as an RB2. And everybody else is kind of wait and see. Corey Davis finally had a big game here. It's just, to me, the takeaways from the Atlanta side. Matt Ryan was one of the weirdest games, I think, from a stat line perspective. Throwing it 53 times for about 400 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. It was a very strange game. That's hard to do. It really is. Austin Hooper's quietly having a really, really strong season. Yes, he is. Like he's had, I mean, he's three of these four weeks, he's been an elite tight end option. Nine catches here. You know, Freeman's saving his fantasy value the last couple of weeks with catching the ball out of the backfield. But I have a lot of, I mean, there are just so many questions about this team as a whole. But I think there's a lot of questions for those that have taken Julio Jones in the first round, which is where you should have taken Julio Jones. And he's just, he's shown flashes, but just because of he's got that, like, here you go, touchdown at the end of week two. Yeah. Or else it's now three straight weeks of people going, what's up with Julio Jones? So Yeah, this team is disappointing. Uh, when you look at that talent overall, you have to assume if this continues that there's going to be some serious changes in Atlanta. Because this is now, I mean, obviously last season a bad season. And, and this season you're going in and you're looking at all the talent. Give Julio Jones a ton of money. Obviously they're paying Matt Ryan and – 
it's it's not it's not pretty in Atlanta. You can't lose at home like that with that offense traditionally who takes care of business at home. All right, the Redskins go on the road to lose to the Giants 24 to 3. I would like to say a big thank you to Wayne Gallman, who came in and looked phenomenal. You're uh, welcome. Yeah. Listen to the show. Listen to the show because he got all of the carries and all of the touches, and he did exactly what you needed him to do for you um, in in absence of Saquon Barkley. Important note on Saquon, he wasn't in a walking boot um, over the weekend, which was uh, and potentially an indication that he could be back earlier. But at this point, you got to be happy with what you got from Wayne Gallman. Your thoughts, Jake? How the hell could you not be? I mean, as a trifecta, all three of us told you he's getting the lion's share of everything. I don't have anybody behind him. He's a solid player. He's not just a dude. Like I saw him described by everybody. He put up a nice day. My really, my, my thoughts are Daniel Jones is pretty damn good. They came back to earth a little bit, and there's going to be some ups and downs. He's a rookie. But his mobility, his ability to slide in the pocket, keep his eyes down the field and make throws, he's impressive. He's impressive. James Betcher did a hell of a job on that defense. They bring in a rookie and they light his butt up. I mean, it was uh, a good performance by the Giants. Back-to-back wins is hard to do in the NFL. It is. I mean, look, Haskins gets into the game a little bit. Those three picks look terrible. Can I just say how bad I hate his body language? Him and Kyler Murray both need to, like, watch themselves, like, how they act on the sidelines. It's, yeah. You're it's not inspiring confidence to anybody in your locker room, your fan base, your coaching staff. With this, I'm the greatest thing that's ever stepped on a football field look on your face. I don't know that that's how they think of themselves, but it's driving me nuts to watch these guys. Like, you're not reinventing football. It, it's an interesting stop, man. Be humble. Yeah. Go play. Go do your job because you sucked. You broke records for the worst performance ever by a quarterback in their first first game. It's an interesting thing to mention, right? Because they come out of some universities that now, if you look back, have a quite a few of these quarterbacks that kind of act that way, especially coming out of Ohio State. Um, it's an interesting thing to point out because that body language, right? It's not something that a lot of people maybe are paying attention to. But when you really watch football, you guys, we all know on this show what the expectations are for quarterbacks, right? It's just different. And you have to act a certain way and kind of play the game a certain way for people, especially when you're playing in big markets like the Washington Redskins and you're playing for a team like that. Dwayne Haskins looked horrible. Yeah. And you want to be known for the Heisman House commercials more than your NFL career like a lot of dudes on that show or that commercial? <laughs> Keep this up. If you want to go to work and become an NFL pro and have a nice career that we don't talk about your Heisman House commercials more than your NFL career, Okay. But that's where we're that's that's where we're at with this. Like, shut up and go to work. Yeah, so we're we'll not reinventing how, football. Yeah, we'll see how he does with Lincoln Riley next year. Uh, it, <laughs> overall disappointing. Overall disappointing day in Washington. Like with with Terry McLaren out, like you thought maybe Paul Richardson would stay hot or Trey Quinn. They gave you nothing. Giant side of things. Uh, don't worry about it. You might if you just looked at the box score and saw that John Hilleman had ten carries. You might be worried. They just gave him a drive late in that game. That they just left him on the field for a drive in which he promptly fumbled the ball in the red zone. So don't worry about anything there. Sterling Shepard's an every week start. Uh, I'm interested to see. I'm not playing Golden Tate this week, but somebody that if he's available, you should be picking up. I want to see how he's worked back in. I want to see how that affects Sterling Shepard if he's not playing in the slot anymore. But uh, overall, I, I was gonna, it wasn't, wasn't a great performance from Daniel Jones, but it was enough. And yeah. that's all you need. You, he's not, it he was wasn't solid. Good. It was just such an upgrade from what they've been getting forever. Oh, yeah. There's so much optimism. Like, pump your brakes, guys. He's not... Like, it, but, but it's good, right? It's really solid, and there's going to be stuff to build on. 
Yeah. And you have to be excited knowing that you're adding a, a really dynamic piece in Golden Tate coming back to that offense. And that's giving him another weapon to go to, right? It, and the defense played better, obviously. Sap, you know, it's a big win in the division. That's all that matters. You you get a win in the division, it matters. And it was a very easy win for them. All right. The LA Chargers go on the road to play Miami, get a victory 30-10. to 10. Jake, what did you see in this one? I mean, it's pretty much what we thought we were going to see. Uh, I mean, the Chargers started slow. Justin Jackson ended up being in a boot, not playing. Melvin Gordon didn't do anything. Meckler was good again. Uh, the Chargers are what they are, but now Melvin Ingram's hurt. Like, they just they can't get past this curse of being injured. The Dolphins suck. I mean, it is what it is. It's just – what I pick? I picked 34-17 and gave the Dolphins a little love. It was 30-10. to 10. Like, what are you going to say? They went down there. They handled business. Everybody's talking about it. it's a trap game, that kind of stuff. There aren't trap games when Phillip Rivers is your damn quarterback, guys. He's not letting he's not letting his team go down there and overlook a professional team. He, you know what I mean. He's that's why you love having franchise veteran, mature leadership quarterbacks. It also can't be a trap game when Miami's literally trying to lose football games. Like that's that's they're tanking. Like that is happening. Like we can pretend like it's not happening, people. Like that is exactly what they are doing. Like that's they're going to see what they have in Rosen. They're going to draft another quarterback and they're going to either have a quarterback competition or they're going to get rid of Rosen at some point between now and the beginning of next season. Like that is what's happening in Miami. So when you think about trap games, like the Chargers are a good football team and they're not going to get caught up playing Miami because Miami's trying to lose. Jamie, was there anything? It's hard. It's hard to take away anything because you should just start everyone usually when you're playing Miami now when you look ahead. But the Mike Williams stuff is concerning because obviously – missing. He's been missing so much time. Yeah. Like this was the game that it was going to be the easy breakout opportunity yeah. for him. And uh, yeah, he said cropped up on the injury report middle of the week and then didn't play. Hope You were hoping for a bigger game from Keenan Allen, you know, 5 for 48 in this matchup. Dontrell Lemon got, a lot, got as basically as many targets – Look, Austin Eckler, I think, is still an RB2 play next week. Uh, again, I don't think they're going to just give Melvin Gordon. I mean, Melvin Gordon was never a 20-touch-per-game guy anyway. I don't think they're just going to walk in and hand him 18 touches next week. He's going to get some, and it's going to limit Austin Eckler's value a little bit. But Justin Jackson ain't going to be back anytime soon. So that those extra snaps that he might lose to Melvin Gordon, he's going to gain some of them back by Jackson being out. So he is still very much a, an RB2 play. He's not going to be an RB1 anymore going forward unless Gordon gets hurt. One of the surprise uh, games of the weekend, I thought, was the Oakland Raiders going into Indianapolis and getting a victory 31-24. to Another fast start. This team has started fast in quite a few of their games and then fizzled out, but they end up getting the victory here. My thing that I circled or looked at was Jacoby Brissett threw the ball 40. He had 46 passing attempts in this game. I mean, they were down a lot early. That is a, But that is a lot. You look at that. I mean, they were down early. They obviously they had to throw the ball. I think now that you've said that, Jamie, now I'm looking at A.J. Green and going, eh, it might be a really good option for Indianapolis to add him, especially we know T.Y., as Jake says throughout this podcast, like, He's going to play through, but it seems like he's going to continue to maybe linger with these injuries. That would be a really dynamic option here because that was a bad loss at home to the Oakland Raiders, Jake. Uh, it really was. Look, I mean, the Raiders, say what you want about John Gruden. The guy can game plan. The reason they're starting fast is because he's game planning and scripting those first couple series, whatever it is. But they don't have the players to sustain it yet. They're better. But it's going to take them a while. But this is a big win. Look, this this whole week was weird. I mean, my theme for the show when we picked on Friday was <laughs> there's a bunch of road teams I'm picking, and there's some teams that are pretty good. They're going to need to go on the road if they want to prove us how good they are. 11 freaking road wins this week. It was crazy. Um, this was one of them. And they, they played their tails off. They kept it going. 
the Colts probably abandoned the run too early, but they got down twenty-one nothing quick, twenty-one-seven, like really early in the first half. So uh, bad loss for them. I think I think they'll bounce back. Everybody in the AFC South is two and two. Yeah, like from an Oakland standpoint, yeah, like okay game for Josh Jacobs. He looked, you know, he was fine. Not not he's not going to be the player that people thought they were getting on draft day. Uh, Their offensive line isn't good enough for him to be that. No, Darren Wallace is an every week starter. I know the touchdowns haven't been there, but the target share and the and the receptions are going to be there all year. Tyron Williams is going to finish this year with forty eight catches and sixteen touchdowns. So all he does is get three catches for a touchdown every single week. Um, <laughs> I, I look at some point like I look. I had to start him this week because Mike Williams was out. I'm just saying, if you've looked at Tyron Williams' overall numbers, I think it's a bad. It's painting a, an incorrect picture of how he has been because he's a non factor for large portions of the games. I mean, you love the touchdowns; they save you, but. If you think he's going to be like an every week starter for you come fancy playoff time, I'm not sure he's going to be. On the Indianapolis side, uh, look, Eric Ebron got his big touchdown. That was it. That's all he did was the one play, but that's that's what you're playing Eric Ebron for. Otherwise, really no other takeaway. It's like Max going to be fine if he's healthy. Again, Max left that game. They have Kansas at Kansas City next week. Yeah, tough that, that, that's that's a good way to bounce back fantasy wise. Not on the field wise. It's a bad. Yeah. It's a good way to get two straight losses together. But from a fantasy perspective, it's good to get all your players back in there. Love Jacoby Brissett this week. Yeah, a lot of a uh, lot of opportunities. He had three passing touchdowns and and a pretty decent day from a fantasy perspective because they did have to throw the ball a lot. So he did. Although they lost the football game because they were down, he did have a decent fantasy day. All right, this game I watched in its entirety. Uh, the Chiefs go into Detroit and get a victory 34-30. to They did not deserve to win that football game if Detroit could have taken care of business. I think I have to admit that Detroit's better. I, I'm yeah. finally going to admit it. I, I have been saying they keep getting lucky, keep getting lucky. No, they are better than I gave them credit for. They are not a horrible football team. They're a good football team. They're not a great football team. Um, but Kansas City finds a way to get it done. And probably one of the most epic plays I've watched in a football game in the regular season is Travis Kelsey passing, catching the ball, passing it backwards like he's playing basketball. For it was I, the whole bar I was watching with went absolutely. And nobody's a Chiefs fan, but just everybody went absolutely nuts watching that play because it was unbelievable. That was my big takeaway, Jake. Your your thoughts on that one? Yeah, I've run the hook and ladder as a quarterback a lot. I've watched it a million times. I don't think I've ever seen a rollout throwback. Catch it on the way down, option pitch. Like, and then Shady McCoy's running like a damn track meet with the ball. And like, it was just, just, like, that's the Chiefs, right? Like, yeah. it was, you know, my favorite part of the whole thing was the soundbite on the sidelines with Patrick Mahomes calmly saying, guys, we don't have to do anything other than be who we are. Let's just go be who we are and we're going to be fine. And you could, like, and that's, that's what they did. They went, that's who they are. They are freaking phenomenal on offense. They were playing a video game compared to everybody else. The Lions had a hell of a game plan. They ran it down their throats. on Johnson had a big day. They just didn't have enough to get it done. Stafford's really good. Galladay, ton of targets, two touchdowns. The Lions are better than we all thought. They're solid. There's, that offense is like we thought it should be with those pieces. Um, they just have enough to get it done. And the Chiefs are damn good. Yeah, we, we saw, again, another just like Matt Ryan, another weird line for Mahomes, 42 pass attempts, 315 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. This is, I guess it's this a weird is- line because he only threw for 315. Yeah. Without the <laughs> touchdowns. But, you know, I mean, that's... I mean, that was almost 13 fantasy points. So, like, that's that's the baseline for him. Uh, look, LaShawn McCoy has been... I mean, whoever's in that backfield has been effective for them. LaShawn McCoy has been good. Daryl Williams would have gotten the end zone twice. Way more effective in the passing game than he was in the running game. But the only takeaway from the Chiefs' side of things is that we all jumped the gun on Sammy Watkins. And 
we should have known better because it's Sammy Watkins and this is what he does and this happens every year and he's never going to be the player everybody wants him to be. Detroit side of things, this is what we to- this is what we warned you about on the show on a, from a positives perspective last week. I know Kellyanne Johnson's numbers against Philadelphia look terrible, but it was about the volume. They had never committed to giving him the volume at any point in his NFL career. They committed to it last week. They committed to it again this week. He gets 125 yards on 26 carries in that game, catches another couple passes out of the backfield. That's what you want to see if you're a carry-on Johnson or because you want the volume because it's going to be there. The points will be there. They will play bad defenses like Kansas City. They will play bad defenses. No, 26 carries against the Bears versus 26 carries against the Chiefs are going to be different results. Yes. But you still want the volume. Absolutely. Uh, if you haven't seen Kenny Galladay's catch in the end zone where he drags his toe to get in there, go watch it. Yeah. Uh, hell of a catch. Uh, Kenny Galladay had a good day himself. Uh, next game we're going to talk about, Cleveland Browns go on the road to Baltimore. Another, this was a, I looked up at one point and said, oh my God, 40 to 25 final score. It's amazing, Freddie, what happens when you run the damn ball. They, they not only, if you are a Nick Chubb owner, this is unbelievable. 20 rushing attempts, 165 yards. He had three touchdowns, I believe. It was an unbelievable day. And they were able to establish the run. Jarvis Landry had a good day. This offense looked like what everybody expected it to look like, right? And they got, at the end of the day, got a much needed victory to get them to two and two now, um, and, and playing in, uh, in their division, right? This is the other team they're going to be matching up against more than likely. Jake, your thoughts on this one? I thought the Ravens would play better, but that defense is banged up and they're not as good as, as they've been. We said that. Uh, the Browns did exactly what we said they needed to do. They were in two tight ends 24 times. I think they've been in tight, two tight ends 24 times the first three games. They handed the ball off. They won and put up 40 points with OBJ getting two catches for 20 yards. That's going to be an issue if that continues. But they didn't put it on Baker. They didn't put it on the offensive line to have to pass block, which they obviously can't do. You can play action off of You can do a lot of things if you can run the ball. They did that. Kept their defense off the field. Their defense was fresh. And we said that the Ravens' offense was going to come back to life when they started playing defenses that could take away one or the other. They did. Um, really impressive win. To go on the road in the division, put up 40, and go back to what makes you good. I thought Freddie did a hell of a job with the game plan. There was also some really cool creative stuff that they did. They did like a double reverse option with Jarvis Landry and OBJ. And Jarvis Landry is really good after the catch. I've said that forever. He just catches the ball near the line of scrimmage. You can't have him going, running 20-yard digs and, and stuff that they've been trying to do to take longer than two and a half seconds to get it out of Baker's hands. He's really good. Put him in space. But they're going to have an issue if OBJ is only getting two for 20, whether they're winning and putting up 40 or not. But it was a very impressive win. Well, maybe they could put him in a quarterback because it was a heck of a throw. Sure that he was. Had that game. Yes, he, was. Oh, he can throw. He can throw. He had better games than Eli a couple times in New York. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, look, I don't think we expected the Browns to drop 40. But no. we talked about this on the show that the line of Browns plus seven was just wrong. Like yeah. the, the, the Ravens aren't this team that people think they are. And it was funny just watching, you know, watching the game to come up on Red Zone and hearing the announcers. It was just – it was, I don't know, I was getting frustrated hearing that, wow, Cleveland's shutting down the NFL's most explosive offense. And I was like, well, I guess technically they were coming in, but they aren't, and they no. weren't going to be. And hello, we've been telling you this on the – I sound like Herm Edwards there. Hello, we've been <laughs> telling you this on the show for like three months now that you, you can't judge the Ravens' offense in the first three weeks of the season. And we were going to warn you about this. Like, Baltimore's got a lot of – everybody in this division has a lot of warts. Yes. Like this is, this is not – this first of all, I don't think there's a great team in the NFL right now. Period. End of story. But I don't think there's there's not even a very good team in the AFC North at this point. Love to see that for Chubb. Landry got hurt this game, so I don't know if he's going to play. 
if he's going to play next week, I don't think Ricky Seals Jones is going to be a thing. On the Baltimore side, I think I think we can finally be done with Hollywood Brown as a weekly starter. There's going to be times where I think he's a flex play, but people that have him up in high end wide receiver two territory or mid wide receiver two territory are going to be disappointed going I hate forward. Hate to say we told you. Hate to say we told you. This is exactly if you, especially Jamie, has been telling you for weeks, you're going to get an unrealistic expectation for what this offense is going to look like. And they came back down to earth. It's a joke that you call them the most explosive offense because Patrick Mahomes exists. That's offensive. I honestly. know, but, but people go, well, they're the number one in the NFL and this year. Like, okay, I don't, I don't care. Please I'm use your just, eyes. You have to watch this team. Yeah, I'm please, sorry. please use the eye they're test. They're not as explosive as the Bucks. They're not even close, and the Bucks no. are on the same level as the Chiefs. So, come on with that crap. Yeah, just please use your eyeballs and and watch actual football and have real things to say. Uh, the Patriots. Go on the road to play the Buffalo Bills. They get a victory 16-10. to 10. Um, Listen, plenty of opportunities for Buffalo to win this football game. Uh, I think one of the things that obviously my big takeaway at the end was Buffalo's driving and a nasty hit on Josh Allen that knocked him out of the game, right? Helmet to helmet, not great. Uh, but it's they obviously Patriots get it get it done. They end the they end the Bills three and zero streak um, in the division and and get a victory. Your takeaways, uh, Jake? You know the, the Patriots is as like how do you stop them? Two weeks ago when they're playing the Dolphins with Antonio Brown, don't look that good on offense. The Bills defense is really solid. McDermott McDermott schemes up defenses week to week as good as anybody in the league. The Bills have deficiencies on offense, and they showed up. Congratulations, Frank Gore, 15,000 yards. I mean, what a career that's been so understated, uh, especially coming at like, – just phenomenal, phenomenal there. So congratulations to him on that. Uh, the Patriots just find ways to get it done. They blocked the punt for a touchdown. Like, Tom Brady was terrible. Nobody could get open. They couldn't run it great. It was just – I thought they would show more, but they showed enough to win, which they always do. That's about all I took away from it. I mean, the Bills are better than I thought. Even in the loss, they're they're solid. Yeah, the, the issue with the Bills is going to always be Josh Allen. Yeah, he like, threw three interceptions there, there in are, this game. There are times where he looks competent and makes a, you know a great throw, but more often than not, he does stuff like this game, and it's it just where he looks like he doesn't deserve to be on the field, and it's just this weird combination of you don't there's this Jekyll and Hyde, but wait, you know, a thing with Josh Allen that I just I can't see them sustaining long term success with that. Whatever Frank Gore is taking, eating, drinking, I want to be a part of it. I mean, 109 <laughs> yards, 6.4 yards per carry, and this back-to-back weeks above five yards per carry. He's a thousand years old against a good defense that has shut down the run this year. Like, good for Frank Gore, uh, Hall of Famer. Uh, and from the Patriots side of things, this should have been a Sony Michelle game. He was okay. I'm very worried, uh, and I thought I'd be worried about the injury coming in this season. I'm just worried that he doesn't look effective. Uh, James White was fine out catching the ball, uh, but an, an underlying issue for this Patriots team, it's not, it's getting talked about a lot in Boston, but not as much elsewhere. Goskowski's missing extra points like they're going out of style yes. this year. And when you're a team that wants to win, that, that is has one expectation, that's win another Super Bowl, those extra points in the postseason are going to matter. You know, Maybe somebody in this room could talk about big field goals in the postseason that might make a difference in a game. I don't know what – I mean, I don't – you. There's nobody on the free agent market that is a better kicker than Steven Goskowski. But at some point, if he continues to miss extra points, I believe he's missed one either each of the first four weeks or in three of the first four weeks, it's going to be a problem for a team that does not want to leave points on the field because they're trying to win another Super Bowl before Tom retires in eight years. Great point. Great point. Yeah, in eight years. Great point. 
Yeah, no, it's uh it's gonna be a problem for them, right? And and it could be a couple field goals that end up being missed or whatever it is. That's especially when you talk about the weather starts to change. They're gonna have to be able to be in the cold, be outside, make some of these big kicks in big moments, which listen, he has, right? And 11 has for, for eleven for fifteen this year on extra points. He's missed four. In wow. Four years. Yeah, that's, 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 that's like a bad year, much less yeah. bad start to the year. Yeah, that's not especially for him. He's one of the best in the business. Yeah, he is one of the best, but obviously uh, starting off not so well. All right, I'm very excited to talk about this game uh, because I want to hear what Jake has to say about the Buccaneers going to L.A. as 10-point underdogs and putting up 55 points on the L.A. Rams. 55-40 to 40 final score. Jameis Winston had 385 yards and four passing touchdowns in this game. He did throw an interception and get sacked twice, but a hell of a game for Jameis. That's exactly, those are the type of numbers when you looked and we told you guys we like Jameis coming in the season. You know he's going to throw a pick here or there, and it's going to bother you, but it's not going to matter because he's going to throw for a ton of yards and a ton of touchdowns, and they went on the road to L.A. and did that. Also, shout out to Mike Evans for the LeBron in the end zone because it was unbelievable. I loved it. I loved every moment of it. It was very entertaining, and it's one of the best gifts. Shout out to the Bucks Social, who's been just killing it with all that good stuff. Now it's Jake's opportunity. Feel free to tell us how everybody was wrong about the Bucks, and they looked great this week. I'm not even going to go there. I don't even know where to start. Uh, I'm going to start with a 71-degree day in L.A. with a slight breeze. It was spectacular to sit on the 45-yard line in a away team stadium on the 20, you know, 20 rows up, which I've never done. I was in Carolina and could touch a scoreboard twice in the, in the playoffs. So it was nice to have phenomenal seats on the road. To watch literally in my mind in the third quarter going, this is maybe the greatest football game I've ever watched live. Just the action, the, everything. From the coaching game plans to everything that you saw, from Jameis's performance to Godwin's performance to Evan's performance to Rojo, who should have ran for 150 and had two monster runs called back, to the defense. getting the, It was just phenomenal. And Goff, Goff hasn't played that good since last, last year, week 12. He threw three picks, but he was throwing dimes all over the place. We didn't get there close. He was like, it was, it was just phenomenal to watch in person. The Bucks' game plan was spectacular. They executed it to a T. They used their their personnel as good as anybody in the NFL, and that's just a monster win to go on the road, put up the most points in franchise history, the most points ever put up on an undefeated team in NFL history. And to go take a team that's top three in the NFL in the power rankings that went to the Super Bowl last year, the division champs in the NFC, and hit them in the mouth, and they couldn't do anything about it. Um, just just spectacular to watch. I mean, Jameis has gotten better every week. Mike Evans and Chris Goblin are number four and number six in receiving yards. They're tied for number two and touchdowns apiece. Uh, O.J. Howard's looking better. The one-two punch of Barber and Jones is going to drive you crazy from a fantasy point of view. But when Rojo comes in in the second half, health, like, fresh, it's a difference maker. Uh, and this defense, they're, they're weak in the secondary. But listen to this. I mean, you take Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, and Todd Gurley. They don't have 100 yards combined in three weeks. They're built to stop the run, run the ball, and take shots, as B.A. says. They look pretty damn good, and they're getting better to better every week. Huge bounce back after a bad loss to the Giants at home to go on the road and get that win. Yeah, absolutely was. This was a uh, big game for my wide receiver brand between Chris yes, Godwin and Cooper Cup. Like, you guys, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it was, was fun to watch. Boy, Cooper Cup coming off the ACL. One, he's so much bigger in person than I thought he was. Yeah, he's he a is. solid dude. But, dude, he moves and cuts coming off that. Like, I, I don't – maybe second I've ever seen to Adrian Peterson coming off an ACL. 
Yeah, it's it's crazy. And I don't think that's getting talked about enough. I know he's not a running back, but coming off again, he tore his ACL in the middle of the season last yeah. year. I mean, that 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 was the one of the things that helped golf spiral down. But from a Tampa Bay perspective, uh, I, for those who take this forward, it's worth it. I know some people are really into like the PFF stuff. Some people don't like it, whatever. Uh, their number one rated running back in PFF right now for the season, Ronald Jones. Wow. Number one wide receiver, Chris Godwin. And this was a very good example of, of what these guys have been able to do. We've told you all along Ronald Jones is the back you want long term. It's not going to be an every week thing, but long term, that's that's the guy that's going to get the thing. Um, from a from a Jameis standpoint, th- if you dropped him after week one or two, this is what you deserve. Like yeah. th- this, you have to understand what you were walking into and know you're going to have big weeks and you're going to have bad weeks. That's why Jameis Winston was going at the back half of the top ten and not going number three overall. Um, from an LA standpoint. Like, golf put up good fantasy numbers, but for throwing it 68 times, <laughs> it wasn't run it. It was like couldn't the first in the last 15 years. Like, I mean, it was – he didn't put up the, his greatest numbers. Gurley couldn't couldn't run the ball. I got two, again, got two touchdowns, so it saves your fantasy day, which is going to happen. Big bounce back for Robert Woods. But, look, this goes back to I don't think there's a great team in the NFL right now. I'm yeah. watching all of these games, and I'm going – you know, there was a point last year where the Rams were flying on all cylinders and the Chiefs were flying on all cylinders. And the Patriots didn't look like world beaters for the postseason. But, like, there were teams that were like, all right, there's three or four teams that are going to win this. I'm watching these games on Sunday and I'm going, every single team on the field is beatable. Yeah. And, like, by by decent teams. Like, they're not like, oh, well, they're beatable if they play the New England. No, they're beatable if they play an 8-8 team right now. For sure. And so th- that's going to make things really, really interesting down the stretch because this might be the year we get one of those weird pop-up Super Bowls from a team that we have no reason to expect, and then it goes right back down to earth the next year. I'm going to feed yeah. into Hey, James. before we move on, I need my own segment for this, okay? Go ahead. Mad Gay. You get your own freaking segment here for 30 seconds. To have the game you had last week, miss two extra points, a game winner, to come back on the road and go nine for nine, the most made kicks in Bucks history, including a 58-yarder into a breeze, which was one of the most impressive things I've ever seen. It was good from 70. Like, it came off his foot, and I just stood there with my mouth open because I thought they were literally going to snap it directly to him and punt. B.A. sends him out. He goes, you told me it was good from the 40? We're kicking it. We got to the 40. And he nails it. It wasn't talked about as one of the most clutch points of the game, but Zerline had just hit a 58 in the other direction to end the half phenomenal, phenomenal, the balls on this kid to bounce back like that when every one of those points was needed. Good on you, dude. It was phenomenal to watch, and it was just just awesome. To go nine for nine on the road with a 58-yarder was awesome. Seven for seven on the extra points. And, look, if he, if he can get over those extra point yips, I think he's one of the five best kickers in football. Yeah. it's uh, the, leg, the leg talent is, is spectacular. Him and Justin Sly in Carolina and Zerline – Justin Tucker, like those four to watch kick, like from a, from a guy that did it, man, there's some serious talent coming off those guys. As Pat McAfee would say, for the brand, right? That's that. <laughs> for the brand, absolutely. That was, a, that was a kicking day for the brand. And to feed into Jamie's for the brand, uh, his wide receivers, Cooper Cup is one of five guys to get 20% of the target share from a wide receiver standpoint. The other guys are DeAndre Hopkins, Michael Thomas, Kenny Galladay, and Odell Beckham Jr., Cooper Cup is getting the targets. He's showing up. We loved him. I had him last year. I know Jamie had him last year as well. We were just concerned about his injury. He looks damn good. 
he looks like the best receiver there. And I'm man, it's it's exciting to watch him play. I'm glad he had a good game, and uh, although he didn't get the victory, which is what we wanted to happen in that one. Uh, Seahawks twenty seven, Cardinals ten. I hate to say we told you about Chris Carson, but uh, we told you about Chris Carson. So if you sat him and we told you to, to play him, that's on you. Uh, the biggest disappointment here is uh, Russell Wilson had a bad game, and I thought he was going to have a much, much better game um, from a fantasy perspective. He got sacked four times in this game. I thought the Cardinals defense that hasn't looked really great at all Got there quite a few times, um, pressured him a lot in this game. I expected the Seahawks, I mean, obviously they win by 17 points, but I expected it to be a lot prettier than it was, and it really wasn't. Uh, Jake, your thoughts on this one? It wasn't, but I don't I don't think he was willing to run around and take some chances like he's done in the past because those games have always been closer than that. It was 20-3 to three at halftime. I mean, this Cardinals offense is so much more dink and dunk than air raid explosive. Their defense is doing a decent job of hanging in there. And they're stopping the run better than people thought they would. I mean, they're not doing a great job of it, but better than I thought they would. Uh, it's a really interesting, weird thing going on in Arizona right now. I, I don't know where to put my finger on. Now Christian Kirk's hurt. I mean, it's going to be uh, – <laughs> it would be really interesting to pick them at Cincinnati this week if we were going to pick to win that game. I think the Seahawks are fine. they got a monster game this week with the Rams coming up on Thursday night after a loss at home. Um but they, they did enough to take care of business. I mean, it was it was a pretty easy win, but it wasn't the prettiest of wins. But in the NFL, you don't give a damn. You win that, that by that many points that easily, you take whatever you can get. It's a great point you made about the Cardinals offense because I keep thinking the more people talk about the, – they use the word explosive. They're not watching the football games the Cardinals are playing. This is, this is like – like this is like a Ben McAdoo dream scenario from like five years ago where like every throw was coming out within the five lines of the line of scrimmage. Like it's every throw is a three to four yard throw and maybe somebody breaks one and it goes longer. It's true. It's, it's creative. It's not explosive and they're not doing anything with it. Like I like some of the formations they're running out of, but off the, all they're doing is just running a two yard slant just with more receivers on one side of the ball than the other. Like they're not, yeah. it's like not this this weird warped view of what Cliff Kingsbury is running in Arizona is a lot different than what you hear said on TV and what you are watching when you watch them play on Sunday. Jamie, is ten points explosive? Bad. Okay, because I'm <laughs> just, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling and with by that. The way, right? This was probably Kyler Murray's one of his most efficient games. Yeah, like he has been extremely inefficient, but like his fantasy numbers have gotten there because of volume. He was more efficient in this game, but he wasn't good. Again, I'm using that word choice very specifically. That's why I'm saying efficient and not good. I mean, David Johnson is going to be heavily involved in the passing game because they don't – they aren't going to run – More yards receiving than rushing through four games. And that's going to be the thing – I think that's going to be the, the theme for the season. This team abandons the run in the middle of the first quarter. Like, they're just like, ah, screw it. We're not going to do it. They're the kid in Madden that just like, you know what? Running plays bore me. Cliff Kingsbury is bored by running plays. So he's just going to, he's just going to throw it a thousand times a game. From a Seattle standpoint, Will Disley's an every week starter now. Like I know, I know he. We expected this game to happen against Arizona, but in this weird tight end field, like I can't make an argument that you can start guys like OJ Howard or, or guys like Jimmy Graham or guys like any of those guys over Will Disley because he is being targeted. Wanted a bigger game from Tyler Lockett. You know, only had those four targets, caught all four of them. But the, I guess the disappointing thing to me was that CJ Perseus got a goal line carry in here. Chris Carson is like two touchdowns this season away from people talking about him as a bona fide top 10 player. He just hasn't gotten in the end zone enough. So people are thinking he's a big bust. And it's like this weird dynamic where like, I get it. But if you watch Chris Carson play versus you read the box score, you're seeing two different things. 
the next game I'm obviously very excited to talk about is the Chicago Bears getting a big boy victory at home. 16-6, to Mitch Trubisky goes down, Chase Daniel comes in, continues the defense, just left off exactly where they were last year against Kirk Cousins. If you watched, I remember on Sunday Night Football last year, Kirk Cousins was mic'd up and said, the only reason this game is on prime time is because of us. It's not because of them. Kirk Cousins is 0-3 against the Chicago Bears since he said that statistic, okay? So I think it's an interesting point. I brought it. I saw it yesterday and I said, oh, oh boy, Kirk, that's, that's not great. Uh, things to bring up here. Stephon Diggs is tweeting out uh, emojis to describe this team. Adam Thielen is pissed off and talking about it. People are projecting this team to draft a quarterback, and Mike Zimmer's job's being talked about. That's where we are with the Minnesota Vikings. This was a absolutely horrific game for them offensively. Dalvin Cook even did not have – at one point, it was almost the end of the, the – it was midway through the fourth quarter, and I looked down my fantasy team, he had 35 yards, right? It reminded me a lot of last year when Todd Gurley was having an unbelievable season, went to Chicago and was like negative 25 yards. It was it was bad. He ended up kind of having – He got in the end zone. So he got in the end zone, so it saved his day, but he did not have a great day. Um, moral of the story is don't start the great guys against the Bears defense for the most part or just expect that that's what's going to happen. Jake, you're the one guy who is kind of holding out on the Vikings, right? So I want you to discuss what you saw, um, and and is this salvageable with Kirk Cousins? Because I think that's that's the discussion right now. I went from captaining the train to being a passenger to being drugged behind it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still not all the way off because I have to have a rope around my neck that's dragging me down the train tracks. Uh, I'm, it is because they're not going to play the Bears defense every week, but they have to play them again. I picked them to win the division. I picked them to go to the Super Bowl. They just right, – there's a couple things. If Dalvin Cook is playing on third down, has to pick up a blitz. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. It's bad. It's bad. Uh, Kirk Cousins just – Jamie hit the nail on the head. Do the Bears have a winning record? Yep. Hit their, okay, then I'm betting against Kirk Cousins. Like, it's literally down to being that easy. Chuck Pagano, I told you, spectacular. That defense is going to be awesome, even though I thought they'd take a step back numbers-wise because they were just so unbelievable last year. They're still going to be damn good. They're going to blitz more, so they're going to have more splash plays. Uh, my biggest takeaway here is I think the Bears are better with Chase Daniel than Mitch Trubisky. I said that last year. I'll tell you why in a second. Thielen and Diggs, when a guy like Adam Thielen uh, is being outspoken, who was a walk-on to a nothing college, who was a walk-on to like a mini-camp tryout that ends up being a pro bowler, then as a beginning of monster contract, it's that bad for him to start saying stuff. Like there's some serious issues here. Uh, I still think they're, they're a playoff team because Jamie said, there's nobody that's great. And you go play them. That defense is still damn good. And if you if your run defense isn't really good, Dalvin Cook should have a monster day. Chase Daniels, the number two at the bottom of the NFL in pro football focus rankings. He's number three in uncatchable balls over a quarter of the throws for Chase, or for, excuse me, for Mr. Bisky so far this season are uncatchable. Nothing comes off as it's scripted to on time. Chase Daniels is going to know where to go with the ball. He's more accurate with the ball. This offense is going to run better with Chase Daniels under center than Mr. Bisky. This team just got better. The defense is spectacular. And all I saw was Khalil Mack, the greatest trade in NFL history for the Bears, wreaking havoc again. Uh, six sacks. That's how many times Kirk Cousins was sacked in this game. It was it was ugly, uh, obviously, offensively. Jamie, what are your takeaways here? I'm not sure if Bears fans want to hear this or don't want to hear this, but I agree with Jake on the Chase Daniel stuff, yeah. where 
It, and by the way, I think Matt Nagy does too because look how interesting – look at the play calling immediately after Chase Daniel comes into the game. They opened up that playbook. That's concerning to me that you can't open up the playbook for Mitch Trubisky at this stage in his career, that you have to rely on a career backup. Now, Daniel's a, Daniel's a damn good backup who's been in, and been in that Andy Reid-style offense for a very, very long time and knows that playbook like the back of his hand. But Mitch Trubisky should be at that point if he's going to be your franchise guy. But – uh, put it this way, I, I actually – I would up Allen Robinson's fantasy value with Chase Daniel as his QB. I love – I mean, Allen Robinson is an every week wide receiver two going forward. Um, good to see – I mean, look, Tariq Cohen got the end zone in the passing game, but they're just not using him as much. Like, they, they are just – he is not anywhere near as big a part of this offense as he was last year. Stop expecting it. From the Vikings, like, look. Cook got in the end zone. He saved, salvaged his day. That's probably the worst day you're going to get from Cook all year, or at least until the next time they play the Bears. You're fine. Like if you look, who do they have this week? The Giants? Are they at home against the Giants? No, they or? play the Raiders in. Yeah, they play the Raiders in. London. I'm so I'm so all in on Dalvin Cook. It's not even funny. Like yeah. that didn't phase me at all. So, boy, it's just it's. Uh, I don't so know. It's, I, it's, I don't I, know what to do with the Vikings. Like I think they're a wild card team, but like. I don't feel great about them. They're, they're a couple injuries away from not being. Yeah, they are. But that defense, I mean, they're still really, really good at home. Really, really good defense. They still run it as good as anybody. They still have both those receivers, and they still have tight ends. And no, Kirk Cousins is not elite, but he's still an NFL quarterback. They're they're good enough to get to that 9-10 wins, which I think is all it's going to take to get in the playoffs this year. So the Vikings play at the Giants. Is that what you're asking? Yeah. Okay. The Bears yeah. play in London. Yeah. No one cares about the Bears. No, no, no. I meant the Vikings. It's like okay. So you go to the Giants. Know. Are you going to pick them to like right now? If I ask you guys who's going to win that game, are you going to pick the Minnesota Vikings to go to New York and beat the that Pat football Schirmer team? Revenge game. Um, yes. All day and twice on Sunday and maybe five times Monday. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Well, the Giants, the Giants are two and two, so it's allowed. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Wow, it's right in their wheelhouse. Oh, too. damn! It's honestly, it's going to be the funniest thing to continue this. But yes, I'm actually, I actually probably will play. I, I'm curious to see what it might be my lock of the week. What is the, what? I'm just trying to see what the line is. Right? Okay, it's interesting. I, I won't spoil it for Jake because I don't want, I don't want to influence his his picks on the show Friday. But that's the line's interesting. But um, yeah, I, I just, I think it's actually going to be a close close game. Like, I think the Vikings will win that game. I don't think they're going to go blow them out, but. Yeah, it'll be that'll be a tough that'll be a tough one. I think it'll be fun for us to pick that one. I obviously have to address you guys' uh, comments on Trubisky. Uh, it's all over social media. This has been discussed at length. Saw Chase Daniel a little bit last year. It wasn't great. Uh, he went. He did get a good victory in in Detroit last year, but played horrible against New York Giants. The thing that I saw that I really liked. The second he was in, they decided to run the football to the best running back on the team a lot more. David Montgomery. 21 carries a game, Paige. 21 carries Montgomery got. Yes, that's exactly what I want. And he had three That's re- exactly my point. That is a great thing to mention. Three receptions for 14 yards. He was involved in the offense way more. I saw the play calling Golden go in the direction of which I know this team needs to do to be successful. And that should be concerning. I'm not saying Trubisky's... Never going to get it together. I, 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 have, I have held out as long as I possibly can. But it should concern you, as a Bears fan, that the offense, like Jamie brought up, the play calling instantaneously changed the second Chase Daniel was in the game. And, oh, by the way, he threw some dimes down the field to Allen Robinson and company. Javon Wims, who's the fifth-string wide receiver on this team, was involved in the offense. That should be concerning. And I think it's important to note, we're not saying Chase Daniel is a world beater. No. That's not what we're Thank saying. You, no. We're just Good saying. point. I'm not, nobody's saying he's more talented than Trubisky. No, we're saying not. this team is better with him at quarterback 
because of the way they're going to run the offense and his efficiency. Yeah, that's the point. He's not more talented than Trubisky. His upside isn't what Trubisky's is. But right now, he is more comfortable running more of the playbook than Trubisky. And based on the way Trubisky has played the first few weeks of the season, he is the better option today. Yes. That's not eight weeks from now. That's not next year. Just today, this coming week, he is the better option. Now he's going to play anyway because Trubisky's going to miss some time. But yeah. he's the better option right now. I don't think any differently of the Bears in the next few weeks no. with Daniel at the helm. No, you have to understand that the Bears defense gives you an opportunity to win a football game every single week. And they're going to put you in a position that when you get the ball, you have to take advantage. And I saw much more of that from Chase Daniel than I have in the first three weeks from Mitch Trubisky. One last point to go back to your David Montgomery stuff. If you Again, if you look at the box where you're seeing two and a half yards of carry, they're not going to face the Vikings defense every yes. week. You give me 20, 20 David Montgomery touches next week, he's an RB1. Yep. And and getting the ball out of the – and getting receptions and they're going to him. It, he's going to be involved in that offense, and that's exactly what you've been hoping for. All right, the Jaguars go on the road. The Gardner Minshew train continues. They get a victory 26-24 to against the Denver Broncos. Uh, what did you see in this one from Mustache Mania and everything that's going on in Jacksonville, Jake? I picked the Jags 23-21. I thought they'd go in there. The Broncos have some serious issues. Uh, bad news from Bradley Chubb. I hate to see that. Torn ACL is out for the year. Uh, Flacco takes him down and scores a touchdown. Cortland Sutton, who's on on pace, I think, to be targeted 123 times this year. Yeah. Spectacular. Um, and the men's dash brings him back. Like, dude, he's running around like Aaron Rodgers back in the day, like, creating seven and a half seconds on one touchdown throw. And what it did was finally open up Leonard Fournette to go off. But to run it down the Broncos' throat for, what, 240 or whatever Fournette had? No Jalen Ramsey. That defense was still pretty solid. It was a damn good win. But, look, this, the stash is real. And I, is, it, is it too early to talk about Kirk, Nick Foles playing somewhere else next year? I have to look at the contract, but I mean, you just gave him all that money. He was just getting the reason why you shouldn't have given him all that money. But if they win the division, you have to at least talk about it, right? I mean, there has to Dude, be- the stash to me has already earned it. Well, the kid, the locker room's bought in. He's throwing dimes. He's what, 2 0 as a starter? 3 0 as a starter? Wait, what is he at this point? I mean, he's, he's been nothing but spectacular. Well, we're going to find out. Like, Foles is not out for the year. Yeah. So we're, we're, yeah. this, this is going to come to a head around Thanksgiving. Like We're going to have to figure out what the deal is. And I, point, I don't know Jamie. any way you can put Nick Foles back in right now. Like, no. if, You're talking about this team is salary cap strapped next year with, with some of these contracts and some of these guys they'd like to resign. Yeah, it's it's. I have to take a deeper dive into that. But it'll be interesting to see. I mean, Minshew's earned it. I don't. I think this is the most rushing yards ever in an NFL game without a rushing touchdown yeah. for a player. Or Leonard Ford at 225. Uh, again, look good in that game. Look, DJ Chark. Sure got in the end zone again. There's like a weird thing that happened there. The Broncos, okay. You can't how if you told me that just on paper at any point that Joe Flacco would throw for 300 yards and three touchdowns and the Broncos would lose that football game, I, I would not have believed you. Yeah. Like I, I just this defense is I have I don't know. I have no words for what this defense is right now. I have no idea what they are. I don't know what this is the most perplexing thing to me of a team with that much talent getting a defensive-minded head coach in. And then regressing as badly as this defense has regressed. I, I just do not understand it at all. No. And, and w- Minus Flacco, really young on offense, and that defense is finally looking old in places and it's showing up. They, they can't get to the passer every time. And if they don't, they don't have three corners like they used to. Chris Harris is getting old. It's just he's still solid, but they're just they're they're old in places and it's and it's rearing its head big time. I mean, they're just not the same defense. 
Von Miller's about to be a free agent. So you got a really young offense. I mean, it might be a time to implode this whole thing, blow up the salary cap and start over uh, letting some of these guys go. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens there because they're not very good. Uh, did is it is it time to talk about John Elway? Like, are we ever going to talk about I, John I, I Elway? I think we need to. Like, there's- no, because John Elway is basically an owner. I, I just, I, John Elway is untouchable. The Bolton, Pat Bowen died. Rest his soul. Great owner. Great dude. Hall of Famer. Uh, Elway's his guy. And his family ain't doing nothing to John Elway. We could talk about it all we want. Yeah. Elway, Elway ain't going nowhere. Yeah. I At, at a certain point. We could talk about a bunch of owners. <laughs> they ain't going nowhere. Yeah. yeah that's a fair point. Sure. Uh, Carolina Panthers go on the road to the Houston Texans, get a victory 16-10. to 10. Both of these teams are two and two now. Uh, I don't know about this game. This game was weird for me. Uh, yeah, this game sucked. It was just not a good football game. Jake, your takeaways in this one? Bad loss for the Texans. Yeah. Period. I mean, you're at home. We were just talking about you're better than we thought. Uh, you've had some solid wins. Couldn't get anything going on offense. Carolina's defense is playing better. They had six sacks, but he held the ball. Couldn't run it. Your defense is playing better than anybody thought. Your secondary is playing a lot better than we thought going into the season. But it's a bad loss at home. I, I mean, you looked like you were what a lot of people thought more than us, a really, really solid team, and you laid a complete egg at home. It was just – only thing I really took away is that it was a bad loss for the Texans. I mean, Carolina is okay. They're better without Cam Newton, just like the Bears are better without Trubisky right now. Yeah. When you throw Cam Newton, was throwing 33% of his balls were uncatchable. Trubisky's 25%. It means nobody – you're not giving anybody a chance because they can't even catch the ball. They're better with Kyle Allen, period. They're still not great. And my other takeaway is McCaffrey's an absolute freaking beast. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to hear again that McCaffrey can't catch 100 balls. As I said on the pre-show, why? <laughs> he might catch 140. It's like, why? What, what makes you – what about anything that McCaffrey or this offense has done makes you think that can't, they can't replicate that? I've been on that train for – well, the 100 balls is, I think, his expected amount of catches for this point going forward. Uh, Houston, uh, again, they're the quintessential example of there are no great teams. Now, we thought they would have plenty of defensive issues on this team, but this offense didn't look good. No, like, it did not. I, I just, I mean, look, Carolina's secondary has played really well this year, but I'm sorry. If you want to win the Super Bowl, if you're this, you're supposed to be this great offense, you got to be able to put up points against Carolina. Yeah. I'm sorry. At like, home. They're, they're not an elite defense. No. At home, Paige. That was the point. At home. At home. Like, you can't. I mean, Kyle Allen goes on the road again. He's 3-0 and as a starter, all three on the road. Yeah, he, he, can't, he game managed the like, way to a victory here, which is what you should expect. You're, you're talking about a college free agent that transferred twice or whatever it was. That, like, he's, a, he's playing good, but he's not some superstar elite player. He's playing that much better than Cam was. But back, I mean, one was the Cardinals, whatever. That's a solid win as a starter quarterback on the road. Like, you're the Texans. You can't lose home games like that. Yeah, no, that's not if you not if you fancy yourself a playoff contender, right? Like that's that's that screams, yeah, you might win because your division's terrible and you're going to get smoked in wild card weekend. Like you can't you can't put up ten points at home, not with that offense. Like that's that's your strong suit, and and that was a you're not getting a wild card weekend playing like that. You're even getting close. I <laughs> still going to pick Indianapolis in that division. Although Gardner, Gardner Minshew mania might, you know, it's hard. It's, it's going to be tough to that that division. I think at one point I looked yesterday, and the points for and points against in all the games are like nearly the same. Like it's the division crazy. is is so close to each other, which is exactly what we told you going into the season. You know what this is setting up for, though, Jacksonville. Like, like Minshew's going to be the starter. He's going to get hurt in like week sixteen. And then Nick Foles, the Nick Foles playoff, earn that money, baby. <laughs> 
Earn that Nick Foles money. <laughs> oh, God. I'm already sick of that storyline, and it hasn't started. Uh, okay. I The other game I was excited to, to talk about here is because I, I was in New Orleans this weekend, and I flew on a plane from Phoenix to New Orleans, and half the plane was Cowboys fans, okay? From Phoenix, not from Dallas. Wasn't a, wasn't a changing plane scenario. Those people were leaving Phoenix to go to New Orleans, and I'm not exaggerating, a huge plane, half Cowboys fans. The city was full of them. They were talking so much smack about Teddy and about this team. One, I didn't realize how great of a rivalry this was until I got down there because Louisiana as a state hates Texas as a state. Like, they just hate each other, and it was awesome to be there and experience it. The fact that the Saints beat this 3-0 team with a backup quarterback their defense, like I'm looking at the stats and I'm going, who had a good day for the Cowboys? No like, one. Nobody, right? And with with time remaining, right, they got a minute and 30 seconds, the opportunity to drive down and win this football game. It was ugly for everybody. And, man, Saints fans know how to throw a party. They were celebrating like they won the Super Bowl. I was so entertained. If you haven't seen the video of the girl twerking on top of a chair, please go to my Twitter account because I was highly entertained. Jake, what were your takeaways in this one? I can't wait to have your own segment on what you thought. I've spent a lot of time in that city. <laughs> one, where your favorite food was, and two, just your overall thoughts. So we might have to have a drink so I can hear all about it because it's one of my favorite places on the planet uh, for a lot of different reasons. Uh, very disappointing for the Cowboys. Uh, look, going to New Orleans is hard. I don't care who's playing quarterback. I don't care who's coaching. I don't care if they're playing 10 guys on defense. Like, it's hard to go to the Superdome and win a game. But the Cowboys were better. They outmanned them. They were all, all the way across the board. It was set up for the Cowboys to go in and do what they've done for three weeks and play solid. Dennis Allen had an awesome defensive game plan. They look like the defense of last year, not the defense so far this year. The Saints offense hasn't done much with Teddy Bridgewater, quarterback. He hasn't turned it over yet. But they haven't done much. Uh, I mean, Michael Thomas got his. was okay. Kamara was solid. He looks spectacular, by the way. Like, watching Alvin Kamara play is so much fun because the dude is just awesome. Cowboys couldn't get it going. Now, Tyron Smith's high ankle sprain, they're saying week to week, but you know it's going to be at least three. Um, yeah, we were saying the Cowboys were the best team in the NFC, and in prime time did not show up, didn't show that. They didn't show up at all. I mean, Zeke fumbling on that, that short carry, you know, it was a couple fluky things for the Cowboys or they win the game, um, but they didn't. They didn't show up. Teddy Bridgewater's 2-0. He's the highest paid backup in, in the NFL. He's not doing a lot. They're not asking him to do a ton. Like, it's a weird dichotomy. I still don't think they're that great. I saw Ryan Clark, who I respect a lot, say they're the best team in the NFL right now. I don't, I don't see that. But they've that's two big wins on the road in Seattle and at home against the Cowboys in primetime. But here's the thing, right? We looked at their schedule and we went, man, the first couple of games for Teddy Bridgewater, like, they'll be uh, – they got to be happy to get away 500. He's working yeah. him away from being 500 if Drew Brees misses six games, right? And he went on the road to Seattle, and they got it done, and they beat the only the, the, the best team in the NFC coming into this week, and they shut down that offense, right? That, there was nothing going for that offense at all during that game. And you have to be impressed. I, I mean, Teddy Bridgewater hasn't been impressive, but that defense has looked much, much better, and maybe they know they got to step it up because they don't have Drew Brees on the other side of the football. Paige, you said they. That was the, the most important word I just heard you say, they. They played as a team, complimentary football. Sean Payton, you guys know I'm a huge fan of, yep. has done an unbelievable job. Playing complimentary football, don't turn it over, we'll run it enough, we'll make enough plays, let's slow them down on defense, get some turnovers, and we're going to have a chance to win. They blocked a punt for a touchdown, or returned a punt for a touchdown in Seattle. 
they was important. They're playing very complimentary football. That's how they're going to get done. Yeah, I, my biggest takeaway is just how disappointed I was in this Dallas team. Mm-hmm. Again, if you're – look, you're going to have losses throughout the year. It's tough to go play in the Superdome. We all know that. But, if again, if you fancy yourself a Super Bowl team, like you, that is your – you think you are good enough to win the Super Bowl – you need to be good enough to go on the road against the backup quarterback and win a football game indoors. Like you just have to. Like there, there's, uh, you know, the Zeke fumble. The, again, guys, you don't again Zeke fumble, Jason Witten fumble, like yeah. the stuff you don't expect from the from the veteran. Yeah, some fluky stuff. But they just, but they didn't look like they deserved to win this game at any point. They they never like they never got out of second year. The Saints did just enough. I don't know what to make of the Saints team because their defense does this. Their defense has long stretches where they look like world beaters, but they also have stretches where they look like they're the worst defense in football. And I never know which one is going to show up on a weekly basis. It's it's almost like I said they, because it's like they've they've realized, right? Like defensively, you understand when you have Drew Brees on the other side of the football and you have Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas and you have this high flying offense, it's almost like you can be a little bit more relaxed. Like you can be in a little bit easier gear. Now you kind of, they all have to elevate and know like we have to rally around this team. We have to rally around Teddy Bridgewater because we know he's not as talented as Drew Brees and they're not going to put up that offense. And that's what I've seen thus far. Cause I don't, that team defensively has looked like a completely different team than we saw in the first two weeks. I mean, I just, I'm trying to figure out who they are, but I think they're rallying and they're doing what they need to do while Drew Brees sits out. And a lot of the same players, same coordinators last year, they were number one in a lot of run, rushing statistics defensively. They went back to whatever that game plan was because they completely shut down the run. Yeah, it, they looked they looked really good. And they, at the end of the day, they're 2-0 and without – And Lattimore, who we criticized, played a hell of a yeah. lot better. He was really good. Yeah, he's he, he did play a hell of a lot better. All right, the last one here, Monday Night Football, was a snoozer. Uh, 27-3, the Steelers take care. They get off the schneid. They win a football game. And the Cincinnati Bengals, as we teased at the top, look like one of the worst teams in the NFL. Uh, I hope for A.J. Green's sake he gets healthy and gets to go play somewhere else uh, because of where he is in his age and his contract and the way that that Cincinnati team is put together. You just feel like they kind of got to move on, use an opportunity to get some draft capital and start to kind of rebuild over there because that team is not set up for success long term. Uh, Jake, your thoughts on this one? Yeah, AJ Green, get something back while you can. Like, think about this as like from an NBA point of view. He's leaving. Like, summer free agency's coming, and spring free agency in the NFL, and he ain't coming back. So, if you can get something for him, do it. Let him go. Let somebody else deal with that. You you can't resign him anyway. There's no way he's resigning there. Uh, I was really happy to see Randy Fickner, the offense coordinator of the Steelers, get really creative. They can't run it down your throat the way that they did last year in Steelers football. But they got really creative with jet sweeps. Connor had a nice night. Samuels, we talked about, I said, I, I like him for now. He was a huge part of that offense. They're big fans of his. Crazy stat, like one of four players in NFL history to throw for 25, have 25 receiving and 25 rushing in the same game. Uh, very interesting there. Their defense was on fire. Cincinnati's offensive line was missing three guys. They were terrible. But the Steelers looked like they were in a 3-4, two stand-up linebackers on the outside playing Steeler defensive football. They looked That defense looked explosive. Against a bad offensive line, like pump your brakes a little bit. You know, I was happy to see you know, Ben Roethlisberger did not have Tommy John. He did elbow surgery, but it was nice to see him as out there as like a co-offensive coordinator, helping Mason Rudolph, who played solid. He was like 13 of 14 in the first half. A lot of dink and dunks, nothing down the field too much, but it was solid. They got an easy win at home. They're always, Mike Thomas, 14 and 2 on Monday Night Football. Yeah, I think we can buy it, by the way. Please, let's stop talking. And they're one game out of first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that, let's stop talking about James Washington forever. 
Yeah, you look like that, that's gonna be my next. Deontay Johnson's good. Yes, and he's just he's the number two opposite there. He's gonna start on the outside, and he's the guy that Mason Rudolph has been targeting. Like we need to stop the James Washington stuff because I can't do this another year. We're like, this is the year, guys. Uh, uh, disappointing performance from Juju. Uh, I was surprised in a game that the Steelers were able to put up those points that Juju only had three catches. But look, J- uh, I, we've had a lot of questions about James Conner. Like every week, whether to start him, whether to trade him. Which I want to bring up right as we were doing this podcast. I did get an update that Steelers coach Mike Tomlin says James Conner is still being evaluated because he did have an ankle injury. Um, so no new news on on what his long-term future is and, and whether or not he's going to miss some time. But he is being evaluated, so I didn't want to – didn't want to talk about that as we get into this segment because I know, Jamie, there are a lot of people asking yeah. about James Conner. I, I don't have a lot of great advice about James Conner. The reality is uh, he looked great in this game, but I don't think he's going to have a ton of eight-catch games going forward. No, no. So I have to look at what he did on the ground, and it's been a whole lot of the same, and now he's banged up. So, look, you're not going to get first-down value back for James Conner. It's, it's, it's not going to happen. But there's no reason he still can't be an every-week starter in your, in your RB position. I, I wouldn't be – running to grab a guy that you're going to play in your flex. But, you know, I've seen some offers like, you know, James Conner for Chris Carson or James Conner for, you know, Todd Gurley, things like that, or those kind of package deals you can look at. But, I mean, you, you just evaluate James Conner as a solid RB2 going forward and, and evaluate him in all your trades as such. Yeah. It's, uh, I know that there's a lot of, I, I saw this morning, because I, I looked up James Conner to make sure uh, what the update was on the injury and I didn't have anything as we headed in here. There were about 15 tweets uh, asking about trade value for him, right? So there's a lot of people trying to take that opportunity, coming off a good game to see what they can get. Do not get shystered. Do not get taken advantage of. You saw one good game against a really, really bad football team at home where this team desperately needed a win. I mean, they you cannot you cannot be the Pittsburgh Steelers and you're honoring guys, you're honoring Heinz Ward and and Bill Cower at halftime and lose that football game. They came out, they looked much better, but pump the brakes. It was against a, a football team that's obviously very very bad. All right, guys, uh, any parting thoughts on today's podcast, Jake? I got three. Uh, my first one is the biggest news of the weekend that nobody talked about because it came out on Saturday morning during college football everything. The NFL Referees Union and the NFL sign a seven-year collective bargaining agreement through 2026. How this isn't bigger news, I have no idea. This is horrendous. This means nothing changes for seven more flipping years. Can this be a big deal, please? There should be every NFL fan alive should be outraged. This is insane. I took a picture of a referee from five feet away in pregame laughing, saying, I wonder how fast it's going to be before I want to tweet this, and it was in the middle of the first quarter. (laughs) Um, That's number one. Number two, Tampa Bay Trey, the Draft Network's own. Uh, Great writer. Love his stuff. Wrote an article about the air raid of being the future of the football and the NFL. And I, I tweeted back and said, I would love to uh, debate this. And we're going to have to do that going into this next draft because it's going to be really interesting. It's hard to evaluate these quarterbacks uh, and these guys coming out. But the air raid uh, – and uh, the game he was talking about was Oklahoma, Texas Tech, Baker Mayfield, and Patrick Holmes, one of the greatest college football games ever, one of the most fun football games anybody ever watched. It's not the, it's not the future of the NFL. It's not, period. I want to debate that. Let's, let's do that whole show on that going into – the draft next spring with the guys. Uh, third thing, condolences to Jason Light's family. The Tampa Bay Bucks general manager lost his dad in uh, Lincoln, Nebraska Saturday and just 
you know, being with my dad at the time was heartbreaking. Um, what a win for the Bucks and Dominican Sue. His dad was at a Nebraska game where he loved more than anything with his family. Great way to go out for him. But condolences to the family. But Dominican Sue is his favorite Nebraska player of all time. Scores the game ceiling touchdown. Like you can't make that stuff up. No. You can't you can't script stuff like that. And uh, I want to echo the condolences for Jason Light's family. Uh, know them very well. Uh, his his niece is an intern uh, for for the Draft Network. Great family, great people, um, and obviously Nebraska is near and dear to my heart. So uh, it was it was beautiful to see Nadama Kinsu, uh in that moment and and that moment for Jason Light. And I know it meant a lot to him and his family. So. I want to echo everything uh, everything Jake said there because it's we definitely feel the same way. Great, great guy, great NFL family, and uh, condolences to him. The NFL referee stuff matters, mm-hmm. and we're going to talk about it on Wednesday and why you should care. Uh, we're going to talk about it more. Uh, we're not we're not in the business of sitting around. We're not fans that are sitting on a couch being pissed off about referees. Jake has been watching the NFL his entire life. Okay, played in the NFL. Played in the NFL. His dad coaches in the NFL. Both Jamie and myself have a vested interest in the NFL because of our jobs. And this stuff matters. It does. And don't don't think this didn't slip out under the radar on a Saturday morning because they wanted nobody to notice. You're damn right. And that was They had an entire feasibility study on when the best time to release this news is. And they were like, during college football, Saturday after game day, during the first kickoff of the games. 100%. That was my next point was they did this on purpose because they didn't want you to see what was going on. It's like the Friday night news dump. What's better than that? Saturday morning when college football's on. They They were able to get the news out so nobody would talk about it. Guess what? We are going to talk about it on Wednesday's podcast. And lastly, we're going to get Tampa Bay Trey on this podcast, yeah. right? Because I want to I want to hear this debate prior to draft season because as we say at the Draft Network, draft day every day, okay? We're talking about it. There is tanking in the NFL people. We have a lot to discuss and I can't wait to hear Jake uh take on Trey. So, let's do it. Look, look like I said, much respect, great writing. Yeah, I respect. love the article. I love the article, and he does his freaking research. I mean, he's, he's phenomenal. A lot of respect there. I, I highly disagree with the point of the air raid being the future of the NFL. I, I think you're going to – I had a lot of conversations this weekend with a lot of important people in NFL circles in L.A. about this next draft. And, Paige, you hit the nail on the head a while back saying, are we going to see this flash in the pan seven or eight year Deshaun Watson in his careers if, if this continues, or is it going to go back to I want a guy – like Daniel Jones, Patrick Mahomes move around, can throw it down the field, but they don't take a lot of hits. It's not this dual threat kind of thing. Like this draft is going to be really interesting because everybody thinks Tua is going to go first. He's a hard guy to evaluate. When you throw for 400 yards and you do nothing but slants with the four greatest receivers in college football, I'm a big fan of Tua. I'm just saying it's going to be really, really difficult. And the air raid ain't working. So to go say Lincoln Riley is going to absolutely get an NFL job, somebody's probably going to go jump that ship and pay him a lot of money. It ain't really working right now. Oh, I hope they do. I, I hope I, I hope they do. And and listen, I get it. He's put two straight Heisman candidate first overall picks into the NFL, and he potentially could put another one. Might do a third. Yeah, but that ain't the NFL. Yeah, the big the Big Twelve ain't the NFL. Yeah, Big Twelve defenses are not defenses. Wake up, watch football, and understand that what you're putting up 400 yards on the Big Twelve is what I could do in a in a college football game. Uh, Jamie, your parting thoughts? I don't think I could follow up on any of that. That was that was that was all good stuff there. But I, I think my my big follow up is, you know, uh, 
just to touch on the air raid stuff a little bit before we get Trey in the show is, look, there are already elements in the NFL that are working, but they have been there for years. They've been in place for a number of years. The offenses have come a long way in the last 10 to 15 years from what they were before. But it's like we hear these like buzz terms. Like we saw it with when Cliff Kingsbury come in, and then you watch him run an offense. There's nothing that interesting about the Cliff Kingsbury offense that we have seen through the first four weeks of the season. And whether that's because of execution, whether it's trust in this quarterback, whether it's he's saving stuff for whatever it is, if you've watched, I've watched a lot of those games because a lot of those Cardinals games are on late and there's there are less games to kind of get in the way of that being on. It's not that freaking creative. No, it's it not. It really isn't. Now, elements, yes. Jamie, that's perfect. Elements, yes. As a concept, no. And, the, and this is not disrespect to Trey because he knows football. But people that don't know football use buzz terms. West Coast offense. Sean McVay is like his own thing. He didn't even have a name. We just call it McVay. There's certain guys that have aspects of all. Andy Reid has more aspects of different offenses. He comes from a West Coast background, but that ain't a West Coast offense that Patrick Mahomes is running. He's created it for guys. The other thing I don't like is you like, I heard Booger McFarlane, who I have a ton of respect for last night, talking about Cincinnati and being a big fan of the head coach and saying, if you just get him some players, they're going to be okay. You can say that about any team. Yeah. That's you got to take what you have and take the players to put them in positions to be good and win games. You can't just go put in systems. You can do that in high school and college. You cannot do that in the NFL. No, as as a whole, it does not work. Elements, absolutely. We talked about it on previous podcasts, but the talent discrepancy between Team One and Team Thirty Two is not that big, right? There, we every team is one or two plays away, one or two injuries away from being eight and eight. There's 13 teams that are two and two. Yeah. I, I'm, You're exactly right. That's that the, the talent discrepancy, these guys are all the top 1% of the 1% that play college football. Okay. So you have to understand that there's not that big of a difference from a talent perspective. It's coaching matters. It does. And if you don't think coaching matters, then please go watch Bill Belichick because apparently you haven't been watching football for the last 20 years. Uh, I I don't know what to tell you, but that coaching matters. The other thing was whoever's next in the NFL that thinks they're going to run the system. Oh, and everybody's going to do. They've already got a year's worth of Cliff Kingsbury's offense to go watch. It's ten. You've already put it on tape. Look, and I'm going to go back to what I said in preseason. I like Cliff. I think Cliff is an innovative guy. Is the hire is is interesting, but that's the way the NFL went. It was young offensive guys, and he's an innovative guy. I like Kyler. I like as aspects of it. But you gotta you gotta mix in some stuff that works. You can't reinvent the wheel and think you're gonna have a lot of success. We will in in two seasons, I will recall I'm going to I'm going to bring this back and we're gonna see where Cliff Kingsbury and Zach Taylor are, right? And and whether or not that I touched Sean McVay, okay, like I was in the same presence as Sean McVay matters because it will it will be interesting to see if they adapt what they do, because as Jamie said, explosive when you describe the Arizona Cardinals offense is just not correct because I don't know any team that scores 10 points and gets to be that, called explosive. That team dinks and – I mean, I, I I know I keep making the Ben McAdoo jokes because that's what that, that first one when, when they brought in McAdoo with Eli because Eli could not throw the ball down the field anymore. So they said, well, you know what? We're going to need you to throw it 40 times and all of them within five yards yeah. of the line of scrimmage. That's what I'm seeing here. They're just, just because you go quads right and run a slant for the, from the inside guy doesn't make it innovative. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, maybe I think there's a lot that could be help, being held back. Some of it's personnel deficiencies, right? The yeah. offensive line's not very good. It's Larry's, Larry's old but playing great. Christian Kirk's now hurt but was playing really good. Like, 
there's going to be a learning curve there. That's my point to everybody too. Is like when when you hire these guys, pump your brakes. There's going to be a learning curve for them as head coaches, like Lafleur, calling plays, being a head coach, Freddie Kitchens. It's different than just being a play caller, which some of these guys even weren't. They got head coaching jobs and like and weren't even doing that before as play callers. Now they have all these extra jobs. In Zach Taylor's case, yeah. I'll end with this. There's a reason last year we discussed. If you guys can recall. We discussed that there were five, when Mike McCarthy got fired, there were five head coaches in the NFL that had been there for 10 years. Okay. It's really hard to be an NFL coach. It's really hard to hold your job long term. And it's really hard to create a system that matters and that stays. It just doesn't. I'm talking about four guys in the whole NFL. And that's it. It matters. And Jake can obviously be a testament to that. Uh, but we'll get into the referees. As I said, that's a little teaser for tomorrow's podcast. And we will get Trev on this podcast as well. We're, we're going to line that up because I think that's a really interesting discussion. And I want to start it now because we will talk about it when, when we hit Combine and Senior Bowl and, and all these quarterbacks. But it's something, as we discussed, when you have Andrew Luck, when Jamie has teased, we could see Cam Newton, right? It's not from inside information, but it would make a lot of sense if Cam Newton decides to retire. Deshaun Watson keeps taking hits. At a certain point, we're going to have to have a realistic discussion about this is not working in the NFL long term. Jake, how can everybody follow you on social media? Jake B. Arians on Twitter, Jake Arians on Instagram. And I will be involved in this quarterback search. Whether I mean, we, we, I'm with the Draft Network all the way. I love these guys. I got a ton of respect for all of them. They're all working their tails off now. We're five weeks into the college season. They've all got big boards. Uh, but I'm going to be involved in this quarterback search because it's going to be really interesting with this draft. Who evaluates who, where, and what franchises think that what kind of guy they're going to go with. We're going to get a Jake quarterback piece on the draft now. Yeah, we, we, got, we need we, it. We need it. We need it bad. Uh, Jamie, how can everybody follow you? you? Follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter. And you guys can follow me at the underscore sports page with an eye on Twitter and Instagram. You should follow the show at TDN Fantasy underscore on Twitter and at TDN Fantasy on Instagram. And if you haven't seen, the Draft Network officially has merchandise. So go to the draft. It looks good. It looks really good. Draft day every day. Be part of the crew. It's a week special. We're running $19.99. With shipping included, 20 bucks straight for, for a great shirt. I have one. It's dry fit. It's awesome. It's a great shirt to work out in or just wear. So go check that out. You can see it on the Draft Network's Twitter account. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.